Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. Dealing with a loved one with dementia. That's my issue. You know, in the, ba- in the past uh, several months, about four different women have come to my clinical office and have indicated that they are in the middle of caring for their husbands who are in the early stages and middle stages of dementia. And they're having struggles and they're having problems and they're having uh, kind of a lack of real basic knowledge in how to handle and care for their loved one. So I'm meeting with uh, these women to help them understand what it is to care for a person with dementia, the special skills that are needed, and the special considerations that are required. So what I would like to do is to share that with you a little bit. If you have a loved one who has dementia or you're soon going to face that situation, podcast will be very important to you. Also, by the way, if you know somebody who has a loved one who's suffering with dementia or about to suffer with dementia or in the middle stages of it, have them listen to this podcast. It may be helpful to them. So what I want to do is to make sure that the person who cares for the person with dementia, the loved one with dementia, is strong and knowledgeable and confident and has the right skills and the right perspective and the right knowledge of how to care for their loved one who is becoming increasingly difficult to manage within the context of the home. Here are some of the points that I go over with these women who are struggling with their husbands who are in the stages of dementia. You know, caring for an aging parent is a time of great emotional anguish. And these all women, these women certainly experience that. It's a time filled with conflicting feelings and obviously many, many additional responsibilities. Now that's a burden. That's a tough one. All of a sudden now you have to do everything. All of a sudden now you have to do even the small things for someone else. Now you have to kind of put aside your own interests and your own pursuits and devote your time in an excessive period of time, by the way, to your loved one who now needs and demands a great deal from you and of your time. So there's conflicting feelings that come with this. At times you love the person, at times you just hate the person. Some of you love the person, some of you just are fed up and you're just tired with the demands placed on you by your loved one. So it is a time of emotional conflicting feelings and much anguish because you get tired, you get burned out day upon day dealing with somebody who is hard to handle and probably not very appreciative of what what you're really doing. So that's number one. You have to understand this concept that caring is a demand and with it has a lot of emotional uh, issues that you have to then deal with. Here's another one. You know, in order to be able to provide care for another person, you must be vigilant to maintain your own health and your own body and your own mind and your own emotions and your own sense of humor. You have to uh, have thoughtful um, ways of going about caring for your loved one with dementia. You have to look out for your self-care first. Eat right. Take some breaks. Go for a walk. Get some fresh air. Take a nap. Keep in touch with your friends. Keep in touch with healthy people. Share your burden. Talk about it. Get it off your chest. Don't be embarrassed to talk about things. In other words, if you're going to care for someone else that's demanding, you have to, you have to maintain your own health, your own perspective, and your own mental health. That's first. Maintain your own health, and then you'll be able to care. But if you let your health go down the drain, then you're not going to be any good for anybody, and everybody will suffer. 
Here's the third point that I go over with these women who are struggling with their husbands with dementia. Ensure that patient or your family member, your loved one, is under the care of a physician, but a physician that understands dementia, a physician that understands your plight in dealing with a demented person. Now, first of all, you have to remember this. Not all physicians are trained to help you deal with your loved one who has dementia. Not all physicians want to help you. Not all physicians care about this. You see, just because he's a physician or she's a physician does not mean that she has special or he has special skills of helping you or a desire to help you or interest in helping you. No. So make sure your physician, you need something you have to ask your doctor or the doctor of your demented family member. You know, you've been his physician for all these years. Now we have dementia. Do you still want to be his doctor or do you want me to refer be referred to somebody else. You want me to find another doctor that does specialize in dementia and dealing with dementia patients. So in other words, discuss that with the doctor. Let him off the hook. If he doesn't want to help you, let him off the hook. It'd be better to not have him help you than try to help you when he really doesn't want to. So that's the, that's the role of the physician. You've got to make sure that the physician wants to help you, is trained to be able to help you, is interested in helping you, and will take time to help you, and has the know-how, and has the knowledge and experience to help you. But let me just add to this. You need a psychologist. You need a psychologist that has health psychology orientation and training and experience. One that knows about dementia and Alzheimer's and has studied this and has worked with such patients because then they can help you even more. You get more help from a psychologist than you get from your physician because the psychologist will deal with problems in living, difficulties in living, it will help you solve some of the difficulties you're going through, that you're going through personally as a care provider, and then the issues you're going through with your uh, husband who is demented or a wife who is demented. So it's a team approach. The physician and psychologist can work together, communicate together. I do all kinds of communications with physicians when I'm working with demented patients. We need to work together. Okay? Now, what do you do? When you have a doctor, you have a psychologist that's going to help you, consult with you, and so on, you work out a list of rules. They have to be reasonable. But what are the goals and what are the rules you're going to live by and you're going to care for? What are the things you do and what are the things you do not do? What are the things you're going to work towards achieving and what are the things you're not going to work towards achieving? There may be goals that are very realistic and possible, but there also may be goals that are good, but they're not realistic and they're not possible. So what are the goals you're going to try to establish over the course of the next week, the next month? They change over time, by the way. Uh, goals are not necessarily uh, fixed in long term. They change by the month. They change by the quarter. They change sometimes by the week, depending on the functional ability of your husband who is demented or your wife who is demented. See, it doesn't flow just evenly and smoothly. It changes over time. So what are the goals and what are the rules that you're going to kind of live by and what are you going to do and what are you going to require the demented patient to do, your, your husband, your wife? What are you going to require them to do? What are the rules? The rules are when you make a bed, they help. What are the rules? When you clean up the house, they help. Okay? When you're making dinner, when you're making lunch, they help. That's kind of a rule. You work at it together and you give them a task that's within their levels of capability. So what are the goals? You might have a goal of you have to eat half the meal. You have to meet a third of the meal. You have to eat 
you know, you drink a half of your glass of milk. You have to have a little bit of dessert, you know, and so on. I mean, there are kind of goals that you try to achieve. You get up out of the chair yourself and you walk to the table. I'll help you, but you walk on your own. We're not going to carry you. You're not, we're not going to bring the meal to you. The goal is to keep the person as independent as long as possible. Okay, here's the fifth rule. And here's the fifth point that I go over with them. Take specific action to make sure that the home is safe. Get rid of all the throw rugs. Get rid of all the slippery places in the home, in the kitchen or where there's linoleum or there's tile or whatever that's a little bit slippery. Make the home safe. It needs to be home, the home needs to be safe for you as a care provider, but the home also has to be safe for your loved one who has dementia. No, that's the kind of the rule. You don't want to be falling. You don't want him or her to be falling because that only makes matters worse. So make sure there's a safety. Have rails uh, where they get up. Have, th have um, things they can hang on to and they walk like a walker so that they don't fall or they can walk with greater ease. Have all the different kind of things that help make the home safe and where falls are not likely you know, to occur. Now here's another point that I often go over with them. And that is to establish the criteria that will automatically trigger a change in care. No, when all of a sudden the demand on you is beyond what you can do. The demand is beyond your capabilities. The demand is beyond your energy level. You know, over time you're going to weaken. Over time you're going to get, it's going to be harder and harder to carry out certain tasks. Now maybe you could do them a year ago or maybe six months ago, but now maybe these are getting harder to do. There's a change in your ability to provide the care. But you also have to look at the change in the functioning level of your loved one who has dementia and then you have to make changes accordingly it's like when do you stop driving you know when do you stop getting up out of the chair without assistance when do you get out of bed without assistance when do you walk across a room without assistance I mean when can you do certain things and when can you when should you stop doing certain kind of things there are triggers and you need to name them. You need to look at them. And that means there's a change in care that is provided. The other day we had a change in the status of a patient. And the wife that I was talking to, it was time to now call the son and said, now I need you. Now I need you to spend the night. Now I need you to spend two or three nights a week so I can get some sleep, but also so that you can be there to help me because he gets out of bed in the middle of the night and wanders. I need help. Number one, you got to ask for it. But number two, there's a change in status. And that means you need to reach out and get a change in your care level of the person accordingly. So watch for the triggers of change in care that's needed. The change in the status of the person that now requires an additional level of care. And then go make arrangements. When do you bring in home health care? What are the trigger points? What are the indicators that tell you now we need home health care? Now we need more home health care. See, what are the trigger points on that? When do I need to call my friend and 
have that friend babysit for me so I can have a day off or I can have a couple hours off. We call that respite care. You know, we need somebody to come in and provide the respite care so you can have a little time for yourself and recoup. I mean, when, when are those trigger points there? And then you got to ask for that, okay? Now, here's another one. You have to kind of look at the legal status of the individual who has dementia. Now, obviously, there needs to be a power of attorney. Now, is there a power of attorney signed? Do you have documents of that kind? And are they on file? And are they available? Maybe you don't need a power of attorney. Maybe you need a guardianship. The power of attorney just says that you are given the right to make decisions for your husband, your loved one. And he agrees and he signs a piece of paper accordingly, giving you the right to make those kind of decisions, financial decisions, you know, and so on. But with a power of attorney, your husband can still make decisions himself. But if you don't think he can make those kind of decisions, financial decisions and so on, knowing when to drive, not to drive, then you may need to have a guardianship established, which means you take away from the demented person the ability to make decisions or the right to make decisions, and now you appoint yourself as the guardian so that you make all decisions for your husband or for the demented person. So there's a difference between a power of attorney and guardianship. An attorney can help you make that distinction as to whether you need one or the other, but it depends on the ability of the demented person and what they can do and what they cannot do, how independent they are and how capable they are to perform certain tasks, even driving a car or walking down the street, you know, or taking a little walk around the block. I mean, can they find their way home or would they be lost or would they out in the middle of the street and endanger themselves, you know, and so on. And there's times when you need to make decisions for people and you have that option of the power of attorney or guardianship. Guardianship is much more solid, much more definite. You are the decision maker for all decisions then. And so you appoint yourself the guardian. Okay, when, here's another point, point number nine. When a demented person argues, don't argue back. You see, in dementia, it's confusion. They know they were somewhere. They know they were talking to somebody. They know that that person was not uh, kind or helpful to them. They know all that stuff according to their own perceptions. And if you try to correct them, you're just going to be into an argument. Just go along with it, change the topic. You see, don't argue, don't get into a debate as to whether you are right or your husband who has dementia is right or wrong. Doesn't matter. Keep it at the conversational level and then change the subject and change the topic and then move on to something else. But avoid argumentation because when a dementia person argues, they get mad, they get frustrated, they'll throw things. They'll throw food, they'll throw objects, they'll throw whatever is around, whatever they, they see when they're mad. So don't take that risk of getting your demented person or demented family member mad because it's just going to make it worse for you. Just smooth it over and move on in the conversation. And along with that, here's number 10, don't take accusations personally. The demented person that you're caring for is going to accuse you of all kinds of things. Accuse you of stealing their things. Accuse you of changing documents. You know, accuse you of uh, 
talking about them to their friends and behind their back. They're going to accuse you of all kinds of things. Just don't argue. Don't debate it. Don't take it personally. Change the subject, move it on, and get on with the day. But when you are accused, just don't worry about it because you're not going to change their point of view. They'll think that way for the time being, but later on they may not even think that way at all. And here's the last point, number 11. Don't go it alone. Make sure you get help. Get help from your children. Get help from your neighbors. Get help from your social group, from your church. Get help from the club that you and your husband belong to or did belong to. Get help from extended family members. Sometimes you have to pay for help, home health care. Sometimes you have to get a neighbor to come in and babysit. Sometimes you have to get a young neighbor, a kid, a high school kid or whatever to come in and babysit. Pay them. Pay them a little bit. It's worth it. You see, don't go it alone. You can't do everything 24 hours a day, seven days a week, alone, very long. You can do it for a while, but you can't do it very long. So get help. Reach out for help. Ask people. People will help. People will go help. If you tell them that you need help and you tell them what to do and guide them in what to do and kind of train them in what to do, they'd be happy to help you. So those are some of the things that are very important in your handling a demented person in your family life or in your personal life, such as your husband or your wife. Dementia is a very difficult disease or disorder. And it doesn't follow logic and rules. And you sometimes you have to just make decisions on the basis of what's the best interest of all, on the basis of the love that you have for the person, and sometimes it's tough love. But we can do it. Anyway, thanks for joining me today, and I certainly would uh, appoint you to my podcast, and um, it's on every uh, couple days. And uh, I've done this topic before. Go into my archives and under the dementia areas, and you'll find that I've done about four or five topics that hit related to dementia. You may want to listen to other ones as well. Then go to my website, www.booksbyhedberg.com. Pick up the book, Living a Stressful Life. Living, achieving, achieving and living a healthy life, a healthy lifestyle in a world of stress. So there's a great book there and I think you'll find it to be very helpful. So I recommend it you know, to you. Bye for now.